Hello and welcome back. Today we're talking about another important part of your financial future, and that is emergency savings. Once you get that first budget complete, you're going to start saving for small emergencies. We like to call it your starter emergency fund. And that's going to be in the amount of $1,000. Now that may seem like a little bit to some of you, and that may seem like a lot to some of you. So we'll cover why we start with $1,000. But first, real quick, to those of you who have never had very much money saved, or maybe you have a pretty low income, the people who are in your same shoes get this money saved within one to three months time. That's when they get really serious and they take control of their finances. If it seems like a lot to you, don't be intimidated by the number. I want you to dial in and get focused and once you get that budget working, you're gonna come up with this money in no time. On the other side of the coin, some of you may be thinking, $1,000 is a small amount of money, why are we starting there? That's not even gonna cover any emergencies, right? And the truth is, $1,000 is not a lot of money and can't cover very many big emergencies. But that's not the point. The purpose of beginning here is to pay for small emergencies that will happen while you're paying off debt. If you don't have any debt, then you can start with fully funding an emergency fund, which is going to be three to eight months worth of your household expenses. But majority of Americans have some debt, and so this is where we're going to begin while we're paying off that debt. Since the next step in your walk is cleaning up the mess, we don't want something like emergency car maintenance to cause you to derail because you have to borrow some money because you don't have any money of your own. So when you've got this money saved, you can pause paying off your debt, you can cover your small emergency, you're then going to replace your starter emergency fund, and then you can pick up where you left off with your debt. Here's the thing. When you wake up and you decide to take control of your money, you become more responsible overall, and you stop inviting bad ideas into your life that are going to cause emergencies. And going back to the budget for a second, one of the awesome things about having a good detailed budget is that the more time you spend on it and the more you think it through, the less things become an emergency. As an example, if you've listened to my budgeting podcast, you know that in my household we use cash envelopes. And one of those envelopes is for car maintenance. When we first started this journey, we sat down and we went over all of the vehicle expenses that we could think of that was going to happen within a year's time. We divided the amount of what we thought those expenses would cost by 12 months, and then we started putting that money into the envelope every month. So now our car maintenance envelope has a significant amount of money in it that can cover anything that may be an emergency to another family. For example, if we get a tire that blows out, we pull out of the cash envelope, we replace the tire, and that's not an emergency for us. We've budgeted for the money, and we have it available to use for that specific reason. So again, the better your budget is, the more detailed it is, the less things are going to qualify as an emergency. With that said, you're going to figure out what counts as an emergency for you. If you're married, you're going to sit down and make that decision with your spouse. 
And no, I'm not talking about things like getting a new TV or going out and shopping for new shoes and clothes because you want them. Those things are not emergencies. A good example of a small emergency is something that you haven't budgeted for, like you develop a leak underneath your kitchen sink. That requires immediate attention, and you're going to have to go to the hardware store, get some parts, and fix it, or you're going to have to pay a plumber to fix it. When you've got your starter fund in place, small things like this that would cause you to borrow and add more stress to your plate are no longer a part of your reality. And instead of being stressed out in that situation, you can have peace. Now what do you do if you have more than $1,000 saved? The answer is simple, but it doesn't really resonate with a lot of people because it's kind of scary. You're going to take any money that you have saved over $1,000 and you're going to put it toward any debt that you have, starting with your smallest debts, working your way up to your larger debts. Here's why. The average car payment in America today is over $500. If you have a debt like that, it's constantly stealing your income. It doesn't make sense to have a lot of money saved up, yet all the while have something that's stealing your income to that magnitude. If you've got a few thousand dollars saved, I'm not saying you don't need that money, but the statistical chances of you having to use all that money are low. So you can use it to pay down your debt, and once you become debt-free, you can start to use that extra income to replace the money that you had and to fully fund that emergency fund of three to eight months worth of living expenses. All right, so you've completed steps one and two. You've gotten your starter emergency fund saved, and you've paid off all your debt so you're debt-free. Congratulations. That's a huge accomplishment. Now you're on step three, your fully funded emergency fund. And this is to cover life's real emergencies. For example, things like the car engine blows up and you have to spend several thousand dollars to replace it. The heating and air system on the house goes out and it's, again, several thousand dollars. Or something like you lose your job and you have to still provide for the household while you're trying to find a new job. If you have to go into debt to cover things like this, it's going to set you back for who knows how long. But if you've got your own money saved for these bumps in the road, they become a minor inconvenience. Your emergency fund is in place specifically for life's troubles that will happen. It's a matter of being prepared and taking preventative measures. You can think of it as insurance. Insurance is there to cover you when you need it. Typically, if an emergency arises, people will borrow money from family or from a bank in the form of a credit card. And borrowing money is something we don't want to have to do just because we're unprepared. Because of things like this happening, the average household in America has over $16,000 worth of credit card debt, and that number is growing every single year. The goal here is to set yourself up for a good financial future. You may be thinking that three to eight months worth of household expenses is a lot of money to be saved and that you could do something better with that money like invest it. Or you may be thinking that you don't need that much money saved for emergencies because you have other things in place to cover emergencies. First of all, the truth is you could invest this money and make more of it. But that's not what this money is for. It is not an investment. 
if you do invest all this money and you have no money saved up to cover any financial problems, you're going to be more likely to borrow to cover those problems than if you just had the money to pay for them outright. So what you want to do with this money is simply put it in a regular savings account that's connected to your checking account, or you can even put it in a money market account that's going to give you still a small you know, 1% return on your money, but it's going to give you the full capability of writing checks, withdrawing or transferring without any fees. The single purpose of these savings is to cover you, not to make money for you. Now, the second part of this is thinking that you have other ways to cover emergencies. So one thing that people will do to cover an emergency is cash out a retirement plan like a 401k. If you do this, you're going to get a 10% penalty or somewhere around there, and you're going to be taxed on the money for the early withdrawal based on your tax rate. And the worst part is you're going to ruin your investment because with investing, your biggest money building part of investing is time. You want to make sure when you're investing that you do it for a long period of time and you leave it alone. Another thing that people will say is something like, well, I have real estate investments. I have extra properties. So if anything happens, I'll just sell one of those. But the thing is, any property that's sold quickly, unless it's in a white hot market like what we're in today, any other time to sell property quickly, that means you have to sell it for cheap. And again, this is going to ruin one of your investments just to cover an emergency, something you don't want to do. Something else that people will do is take out a home equity line of credit on their home. And essentially, in short, this is just a credit card on your house. I've gone over this next one on a podcast about life insurance, but one of the big things that's pushed in the financial world is getting a cash value life insurance policy to cover emergencies as well as having life insurance to help your family in case of a death. So just to briefly touch on that, there's a few different ways that this is marketed. One of those ways is if you get one of these life insurance policies, you can get what's called life benefits, living benefits. What that means is you can draw some of the life insurance policy while you're still alive up to a certain percent that they allow. The problem with this is if you're drawing money away from your life insurance policy to cover emergencies, let's say you cover those emergencies and then you still end up passing away, well, the face value of your life insurance policy is not replaced. So at the time of your death, the people who are supposed to receive the money only get whatever's left after what you have withdrawn. Now, the other way that this is marketed for emergencies is to use the cash value that you build up within the policy to cover emergencies. But the problem here is the only way to get your cash value is to cancel the policy, which means you're left with no more life insurance, or to borrow the money that is the cash value. So again, as I've covered in a different podcast, it doesn't make any sense to borrow your own money, money that you've saved, and then pay the insurance company interest on that money, especially for an emergency. Because in following the steps that we coach on, you can prepare for emergencies in a different way that are much more progressive to your financial future. None of those other methods are going to benefit you financially and get you ahead, but saving your own money 
in a simple savings account for emergencies is going to do just that, help you get ahead financially and make sure that you're set up for success with your financial future. So as we do in most episodes, I'll finish up with a scripture. And that scripture is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. It says, If anyone does not take care of their own, especially those of their own household, they have denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. A big part of taking care of your own household is making sure that you can cover these types of emergencies that we're talking about without having to make long-lasting financial mistakes that are going to cost you in more ways than one. I'm excited for you to get to this point in your financial walk. It's going to give you a huge sense of relief and it's ultimately going to set you up for more success than you could have in trying to cover these emergencies in any other way. So that's it for today. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.